First Samuel 25 tonight. First Samuel 25 as we continue our study of the life of David. And while you're turning there, I, I thought this would be a good opportunity because we've had so many new people come to the Oasis, and I don't do this as much as I should, but I want to go back and sort of remind us of, of something. We, on, your, on our bulletins that we get on Sunday, in fact, we've got some over there that we bring on Tuesday night, and on our bumper sticker and some other, I guess, literature that we have, I was very impressed when I started the church that that God laid these four words on my heart to sort of uh, capture what we wanted the Oasis to be. And, and they were love, listen, learn, and launch. That we are to be a church that loves God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That we are to be a church that learns to listen to God and listen to one another. And we are to be a church that learns together because spiritual growth doesn't take place in a vacuum. And then we're, we're to allow God then to launch us. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean to, to send us far away. It just may be sending us into somebody's life right next door. And we're going to see two of those concepts tonight where God launched someone literally into the middle of a mess to try to straighten it out. And it was all because this young lady, probably my favorite female Bible character, I hate to say that because there's some great female Bible characters out there, but I've always admired Abigail above almost all the other female Bible characters in the Bible. And it was all because she was listening to God. And then it was because David listened to her and her husband Nabal didn't listen to anybody. So we're going to talk about listening tonight. And again, as we go through this, my hope and prayer is that whatever God is speaking to you about, whomever God is speaking to you about, that we will allow God to speak to us and that we will listen. We're just going to look at... 1 Samuel 25, so it starts out in verse 1 with just telling us about some very sad news in the nation of Israel. The great prophet Samuel died. And let's remember, Samuel was David's spiritual mentor. Samuel was the prophet that anointed David as the future king of Israel. And I'm sure, like, just like us, that, that I know for me that, that anytime someone that I know dies... My mind immediately goes back to the last time I was with them, to the last conversation I had with them, and my memory begins to recall the times that we shared together. I'm sure David did the very same thing when he heard of Samuel's death. And the Bible said all Israel assembled and mourned him, and the word means wailed. It wasn't just a little grief, it was a lot of grief, because there was now going to be a spiritual vacuum in Israel with Samuel's death. We're going to see two deaths in this chapter. And yet we're going to see two completely different reactions to these people's deaths. Reason being is because of the way they lived. And every time that I come across even a verse like this, I am reminded that I want to live in such a way that when I die, what do people remember about Jeff Royce? What do people say about me when I die? As a pastor, I've done many memorial services and funeral services. Someday, 
someone's going to do my funeral service. Someday some pastor is going to do your memorial or funeral service. What are we going to leave behind? What's our life going to leave behind? Samuel left a life of serving the Lord behind him. And the people mourned because he was gone. They buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David left and went down to the desert of Paran. That simply means a place of caverns. And we've already talked about the hiding places and the strongholds. The rocky cliffs that God has provided for David as he ran for his life from Saul. Verse 2, then there was a man in man whose business was in Carmel. The word Carmel just means garden land. This man was very wealthy, very interesting. The Hebrew word here for wealthy is literally heavy. Because the Bible reminds us that whether it's wealth or whatever God has entrusted to us, there is a weight there. There is a heaviness there. For instance, you know, people today, even we, you know, we, we want more. More money, more this, more that. But with everything that we accumulate and get, it can become heavy. It can become burdensome. It is a weight of responsibility because the more that God entrusts to us, the more responsibility we have to use it wisely. And this man we're going to see tonight did not live that way. He owned 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And at that time, he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The man's name was Nabal. The word Nabal, the name Nabal means fool. And his wife's name was Abigail. She was both wise and beautiful. Now, very interestingly, even though Abigail was an incredibly wise woman, the word wise here in the Hebrew doesn't mean what we would equate with wise in the English language. The word in the Hebrew means good, pleasant, agreeable. In other words, the way I think we would say it today is she was beautiful outside and inside. Everyone loved to be around Abigail. She was just so agreeable and pleasant and good. She just, she just put off such a great air, in a sense, and, and such a great spirit about her. And yet notice, her husband was a harsh man. The word in the Hebrew means cruel and difficult, hard to get along with. And the Bible says his deeds were evil. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Then why did she end up with him? I don't know. I don't know whether Abigail was forced to marry Nabal by her parents. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we would think that if she had a choice, this would not have been a man that she would have chosen to marry. They were completely opposites. But notice what else it says about Nabal. He was a Calebite. The reason why that's important is because that means he was in the family of Caleb. And it just reminds us that, that we can be in the line and, and family of, of great godly people. Caleb was a godly man. Remember, he was the guy that only he and Joshua were allowed by God to go into the promised land because of their faithfulness. Even Moses didn't get to go. 
And Caleb was 40 years old when that happened. And he literally wandered around in the desert for another 40 years. And when he was 80 years old, he wanted that mountain. And he was going to go up there and he was going to slay those giants. They weren't going to keep him from his inheritance. And God blessed Caleb all his life. Caleb was a godly man. But a couple generations later, Nabal was, there was no recognition of Caleb-like qualities in Nabal. It reminds us of something that's true and yet sobering, especially as parents. And I share this with parents all the time. Our children can grow up and become who they are because of us or in spite of us. Because one thing is true throughout the Bible, and that is that God makes sure that every human being, no matter what family, no matter what environment they grew up in, no matter what training they got, they still have to make their own choice. And God still wants to make sure that everybody that chooses Him, chooses Him out of personal conviction and out of their own love for Him. We cannot, in a sense, ride the coattails of our parents, our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, our brothers, our sisters, or anybody else. And certainly this is a reminder of that. Caleb would have been a great example for Nabal, but Nabal never never was like his ancestor Caleb. When David heard... In verse 4, that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent ten servants, saying to them, Go up to Carmel to see Nabal and give him greetings in my name. Then you will say to my brother, Peace, Hebrew, Shalom, peace to you and to your house. Peace to all that is yours. Now I hear that they are shearing sheep for you. When your shepherds were with us, we neither insulted them nor harmed them the whole time they were in Carmel. Ask your own servants. They can tell you. May my servants now find favor, acceptance, grace is what the word means in your sight. For we have come at the time of a holiday. It was always a holiday when the sheep were sheared. Any excuse will do for a holiday, right? It's like our culture today. Eh, It's a good excuse to eat. Let's throw a party. That's what they did. So if any of you have sheep and you want to throw a shearing party, we'll be okay with that. Please provide us your servants and your son David. Don't miss that. These are the words that David sent through his servants to Nabal. And notice David, the future king of Israel, with great humility and recognition of authority, is in a sense saying to Nabal, I recognize your authority and I'm humbling myself before you by calling myself your son with whatever you can spare. Verse 9, so David's servants went and spoke all these words to Nabal in David's name. Then they paused or literally rested. But Nabal responded to David's servants, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? This is a time when many servants are breaking away from their masters. The words breaking away in the Hebrew mean also in a sense in a violent way. In other words, what Nabal is saying is, David is just like a lot of other people. They don't know their place. If he knew his place, he'd be back with Saul. He's not recognizing David at all. Obviously, he has sided with Saul. And obviously, because he's a wealthy person with lots of servants and whatever, he wants to make sure that he sets a precedent that nobody better cross him. He's the master. Everybody needs to bow to him. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat, verse 11, that I have slaughtered for my shears and give them to these men? I don't even know where they came from. Good response, right? 
for all that David and his men did while his shearers were doing what they did. Basically, they protected them and watched over them. And in the East, there's just certain cultural protocol. It's just, it's what you do. And David was simply saying, because of what I did, this is what you should do. So David's servants went on their way. When they had returned, verse 12, they came and told David all these things. Then David instructed his men, each of you strap on your sword. Literally, get ready for a fight. Now, wait a minute. Last week, we commended David. In fact, for the last couple of weeks. Because David had to go through some pain, but he was learning the hard lesson of letting God take the lead. I'm going to go to God in prayer. I'm going to make sure that this is God's will. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. But tonight, we see where David's had a relapse. Instead of praying about it and asking God, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? David gets angry. We could go into a whole message of anger and how we need to keep our anger and emotions under control. And, and David wasn't necessarily a, a guy that had problems with anger all the time. He, nobody would characterize David as an angry man. But yet every once in a while, David got treated in such a way that I'm sure the blood pressure went up and he was ready for a fight. And that was his answer. We're just going to get down there and we're going to teach those guys a lesson. So each one strapped on his sword, and David also strapped on his sword, and about 400 men followed David up, while 200 stayed behind with the equipment. So remember now, David hasn't asked the Lord if this is what God wants him to do. His emotions have taken over, and here he goes. But one of the servants, verse 14, told Nabal's wife Abigail, David sent messengers from the desert to greet our Lord, and he screamed at them. Literally in the Hebrew, he shrieked at them. And here's the interesting thing. When you study that word in the Hebrew, it also carries the connotation of the reason why he was screaming and shrieking at them is because of being greedy. So it goes back to, yeah, he was very wealthy. He was very heavy and he kept it all for himself. In fact, what we're learning here is even though he told David's servants that I'm not going to take the, the food and all the provisions that I would have given to my shears, he probably gave his shears very, very little, kept it all to himself. There was no way anybody, this was a guy that wasn't living with any open hands at all. He was hoarding. He was greedy. It was all for him and it was all about him. These men were very good to us, this servant told Abigail. They did not insult us, nor did we sustain any loss during the entire time we were together in the field. Both night and day, they were a protective wall for us the entire time we were with them. Literally, it means in the Hebrew, they joined together to help these men while they were there. I love that picture of a protective wall. David and his men just sort of surrounded Nabal's sheep shears and made sure nothing happened to them. While we were tending our flocks. Verse 17. Now be aware of this, Abigail, and see what you can do. For disaster has been planned for our Lord and his entire household. In other words, the servant, the reason he's going to Abigail is if anybody is wise enough to be able to do something about this, in his mind, 
It's Abigail. Now, I want you to think about this. From strictly a human perspective, and obviously Abigail was always coming at this point from a spiritual perspective, but from, a, from just a human perspective, she's married to this jerk. I mean, there's no other way to say it. So from a human perspective, you would reason that David and his men are going to come down and kill Nabal? Oh, I can get rid of him. Good for me. But notice that the reason she does what she does is to save her husband, who's a jerk. But but it's because she's living from a totally different place. Her, Her moral character and her compass is totally different than even her husband's. Even though the servant, notice, says he's such a wicked person. Literally in the Hebrew, it means worthless, good for nothing. And notice this. This is important. And no one tells him anything. The end of verse 17. What's that tell us about Nabal? You can't speak to him. You can't speak with him. Once he's got his mind made up, he's stubborn. He's totally unapproachable. He won't listen. Listening. Nabal was a guy who never learned to listen to anybody. And even the servant said, you know, we would go to Nabal, but we know he's just going to blow us off. He's not going to listen to us at all. Can I tell you from everything that I know of what the Bible teaches and even in my own experience of walking with God, one of the most important characteristics that we can have in our life as a Christ follower is to be a good listener. To really be able to cut through all the voices in our life and truly be able to listen to our shepherd and follow his voice. And then to learn to listen to the voices of, uh, to the voice of God through others to us as well. And to be able to distinguish and discern when is God speaking to us through others and when is He not? Listening. Nabal didn't listen. So Abigail, verse 18, quickly took 200 loaves of bread, two containers of wine, five prepared sheep, five seahs of roasted grain, a hundred bunches of raisins, 200 lumps of pressed figs. She loaded them on it. Sounds like our potluck, doesn't it? She loaded them on the donkey, said to her servants, go on ahead of me, I will come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Now, here's the point I want to make about all that she did. It's how she did it. She did it, the Bible says, quickly. We're going to come back to that a little bit later, how important that is. It literally means with urgency, with, with, with haste. Abigail had a gear that all of us need. There are times in our life where we have to kick it into a higher gear. Some people just... They don't have it. Or if they have it, they never use it. Their life is always... And even when something happens to where there should be more of a, I've got to kick it into a higher gear, I've got to do this quickly, I've got to... There's times where, hey, it's great to, to be laid back and relaxed and all of that. But there comes moments in our life where we have to act quickly or else the opportunity will pass us by. 
And so it's not just a matter of knowing what to do, but kicking it into that higher gear and doing it with haste and with a sense of urgency. And that was Abigail. Riding on her donkey, verse 20, she went down under cover of the mountain. David and his men were coming down to meet her, and she encountered them. Now David had been thinking, in vain I guarded everything that belonged to this man in the desert. The words, in vain I have guarded, literally in the Hebrew mean, I've been deceived that has led to my disappointment. We've all been there. Where we thought something was going to go in a relationship, we, th- we thought something had been already maybe worked out. It was going to go a certain way. And somebody changed it on us. And we got disappointed. That's exactly what David is feeling. I didn't take anything from him, David said, but he has repaid or literally returned my good with evil. God will severely punish David if I leave alive until morning even one male from all those who belong to him. Now notice verse 23. And here again, this great gal, Abigail. She not only knows what to do, but she knows what to say and how to say it. She has such tact. For a lot of folks today, it's not even that they don't say the right thing at the right time, but even when they say things, they don't say them in the right way to where it's received well by someone else. And and yet we we say we want to impact others and we want to influence others, but sometimes the way we come across just totally turns people off. Here's a young gal who knows what to say, when to say it, and how to say it, and how to approach David. Again, such wisdom. When Abigail saw David, she got down quickly from the donkey, threw herself down before David. She humbled herself and bowed to the ground. Falling at his feet, she said, My Lord, I accept all the guilt. Basically, she's saying, Place all the punishment that you have planned for Nabal and anybody else and put it on me. Wow. She hadn't done anything. But she was trying to avert disaster. She was trying to avert David from making a huge mistake in his life that he would regret for the rest of his life. And she was trying to prevent a lot of innocent lives, not her husband Nabal, but a lot of other collateral damage from losing their life. And so in a sense, she was willing to give up her own life to save someone else. Gee, Jesus. (laughs) And those who want to follow God, that's what God asks of us. To lay down our lives for the sake of others. That's exactly what she was willing to do. But please let your humble servant, humble female servant, speak with my Lord. Please notice verse 24, listen to the words of your servant. The word listen there in the Hebrew, shama, it means to listen with attention and interest. Listen carefully. Listen closely to what I'm about to say. My Lord should not pay attention to this wicked man, Nabal. Literally, stop putting front and center in your thoughts what he's said and what he's done. Wow, that's great advice. Because how often do we go through our day and we may have 99 people that treat us well, but we have this one jerk 
who cut us off on six... No, okay, sorry. No. And, and we, we have this person who's done something or said something, and we end up putting that front and center of our thoughts. And that's who we think about, and that's what we think about. And she's saying to David, David, he's not worth you putting him and what he said and what he's done to you front and center of your thought life. He simply lives up to his name. His name means fool, and he's indeed foolish. But I, your servant, did not see the servants my Lord sent. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, it is the Lord who has kept you from shedding blood and taking matters into your own hands. Basically, Abigail is saying, I believe with all my heart that God has sent me. I'm his representative. I'm his messenger. I'm here because he led me here. I'm just his instrument. I'm just his tool. Please listen to God through me. Now may your enemies and those who seek to harm my Lord be like Nabal. And let this present, this gift, literally this peace offering that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the servants who follow my Lord. And please forgive the sin of your servant. For the Lord will certainly establish the house of my Lord. In other words, she's saying to David, David, I do believe that you're the future king of Israel, and I don't believe anybody can do anything about it because God has decreed it. Because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. And that's what David did. But remember, this wasn't a battle that God asked David to fight. And that's why I've said before, and God has always reminded me, be careful of the battles you choose to fight. Because if it's a battle God wants you to fight, then the battle's the Lord's. He'll take care of it. David and Goliath, great example. But many times as human beings, we get involved in fights and battles and disputes that God never let us to get involved with. And God's not going to be there in the midst of that and help us and support us when we have chosen on our own to fight a battle God never let us to fight. So she's reminding David, David, you've all along fought the Lord's battles that he led you to fight, but this isn't one of them. Please listen. Don't do this, David. May no evil be found in you all your days. When someone sets out to chase you, verse 29, and to take your life, the life of my Lord will be wrapped securely in the bag of the living by the Lord your God. What's that mean in the Hebrew? It's a beautiful picture. What she's saying to David is, David... God has tied you up like a carefully packaged package. Nothing's going to happen to you because God's not going to let it. You're like this carefully packaged package that God has put all these supernatural peanuts around you. You're, 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 you're in God's little package there and He's got you all wrapped up and though Saul throws spears and though Saul and his whole army come after you and all these things, nothing's going to happen because God is your stronghold. He's your hiding place. He's your security. He's your stability. And then I love this. He will sling, literally hurl away the lies of your enemies from the sling's pocket. She's using with David... An illustration that David understands, because it's about the shepherd. The shepherd always carried two bags with him. The one bag on the one side was his food, his provision that he would eat. The other bag was the stones that he would use to throw at the, at the enemies of the sheep that were coming. And literally what she's picturing is that, that God is going to take this other bag and literally throw away your enemies. 
The Lord will do for my Lord everything that he promised you, and he will make you a leader over Israel. Your conscience will not be overwhelmed with guilt for having poured out innocent blood and for having taken matters into your own hands. Wow, God is speaking through her. David had learned painful lessons about taking matters into his own hands and not consulting God and inquiring about God and saying, God, is this really what you want? And he went through all that pain and he was doing good for a while, but now relapsed because emotion took over and anger took over. And how dare Nabal insult me the way he has? And she's saying, back up, David, because if you do this, this will be a stumbling block in your conscience for the rest of your life. You, you don't want that in your life. Then David said to Abigail, Praised be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you this day to meet me. The word sent, stretched, extended, launched. <laughs> David saying, guess what God did? God is so cool that I, I was so blinded by rage that I couldn't see it, but God knew just the instrument to send. He was going to send this beautiful, wise young lady, and He was going to launch this lady into my life, and she was going to speak words of wisdom to me. God wants to do the same thing with us, His children. He wants to prepare us and get us in a place where then He can launch us into the lives of other people to encourage, to comfort, to give them hope, maybe to warn them, maybe to speak truth to them, whatever it is. And so we always have to be open, listening for God to launch us into a situation. Again, never getting involved in a situation that God doesn't want us to get involved in. But there may be times where God says, I want you to do this, even though it was hard. Think about Abigail here, taking her very life into her hands, not knowing how this was going to turn out, but trusting God that if this is what God wanted me to do, God, I will simply obey. I will be your humble servant and do whatever you want. God doesn't always ask us to do the easy thing. Sometimes God wants us to listen because he's got something very, very hard, very difficult for us to do. But he will be with us every step of the way and he will use us in a mighty way if we just listen. Praise be your good judgment, verse 33, your insight. May you yourself be rewarded for having prevented me this day from shedding blood and taking matters into my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, he who has prevented me from harming you, if you had not come so quickly, don't miss that, back to that higher gear that she had. If you had not come so quickly to meet me by morning's light, not even one male belonging to Nabal would have remained alive. See, it wasn't just important that she did what she did, but when she knew what God wanted her to do, she didn't waste time. She did it. One of the important aspects of our life is to make sure that if we know what God wants us to do, we obey immediately. That's what Abigail did. Then David took, her from, her, took from her hand what she had brought to him. He said to her, go back to your home in peace. Be assured that I have listened to you and responded favorably. By the way, the word listened here in the Hebrew means to yield, to consent, to agree. That's part of listening. Listening isn't just hearing and being attentive and, and, and listening carefully and closely. Also with the aspect of listening is yielding and consenting and agreeing. And that's what David said. You know what? You're right, Abigail. 
You're right. David was willing to listen to Abigail. The future king of Israel. Especially we men. Sometimes we don't listen to our wives like we should. Sometimes we don't listen to women like we should. That's why, can I tell you, at the Oasis, we will always be a church that gets direction from our men and our women because there's perspectives and aspects and things that women can see that men cannot. David was willing to listen to Abigail. When Abigail went back to Nabal, we're going to wrap this up in just a moment. When Abigail went back to Nabal, he was holding a banquet, literally a drinking party in his house like that of the king, and Nabal was having a good time and was very intoxicated. She told him absolutely nothing until morning's light, because again, she knew that wasn't going to be a good time to tell him anything. In the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him about these matters. He had a stroke and was paralyzed. Literally in the Hebrew, it says he died within and then became this plummeting rock that would be broken. That's literally what it means. The English interpretation is that he probably had some kind of heart attack or stroke or something happened within him. And then the Bible says 10 days later, he died from it. Verse 38. When David heard that Nabal had died, he said, praise be the Lord. A different reaction to someone's death in Samuel's, right? Who has vindicated me and avenged me the insult that I suffered from Nabal. But what David again was learning was, if, if, if there's something that needs to be done like this, God will take care of it. I don't need to take vengeance myself. I can give place to God's wrath, as Paul says in Romans, and not take vengeance myself. The Lord has kept his servant from doing evil and he has repaid Nabal for his evil deeds. Then David sent word to Abigail and asked her to become his wife. Wow. So the servants of David went to Abigail at Carmel and said to her, David has sent us to you to bring you back to be his wife. She arose, bowed her face toward the ground and said, your female servant, like a lowly servant, will wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. Then Abigail quickly went, mounted her donkey with five of her female servants accompanying her. She followed David's messengers and became his wife. We're not going to spend too much time tonight on this, but the Bible then ends with David also had married Ahinoam from Jezreel. The two of them became his wives. Saul had given his other wife, Saul's daughter Michal, to someone else. In the meantime, all I'll say at this point is this, because people ask me about this all the time. Did God want David to have more than one wife? No. Monogamy is always the biblical basis for marriage. God never condones more than one wife. And so here's an example of, no, David, David messed up. Now, I do believe, and I've told people this, that in that culture, there were many times where an extra wife wasn't someone that David would sleep with or have any kind of relationship with. They were, they were married for political gain alone. They, they were another piece in the kingdom, and they, they would be used as, as ways of countries keeping peace with one another because now... The, the daughter of this king over here is my wife. And, and so I, I understand that. But 
there were still times where that crossed the line that God had said from Genesis 1 when he brought Adam and Eve and that was it. So no way is David right here. And, and I have to say this, if Abigail had a choice in the matter, if she had a choice, she was wrong too. If she had a choice of saying, you know what, David, that's not right before the eyes of the Lord, then she has responsibility. And maybe she had no choice. I don't know. But the Bible wants us to tell us about that too, because again, this is why the Bible is God's word and not man's word, because if man wrote it, man would make sure that he made himself look good all the time, and God gives us the good and the bad and the ugly. Because that's the way our lives are, and that's the way life is. Here's the point I want to leave with tonight. Nabal wouldn't listen to anybody. David was willing to listen to Abigail because Abigail was listening to God. One of the most important aspects of our life with God is that we listen. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up here. And we're going to close with them singing a song. If you want to sing along because you know the words, but we're not going to put the words on the screen because we just want to close tonight with just allowing some time for us to just sort of reflect on this message tonight and just let God speak to us and let us listen to God for a few moments instead of us always talking and doing the talking. So, yeah. So, they're going to share this song and then uh, we're going to just take a few moments and see if God is speaking to us about something in our life and then I'll come right back up and close in prayer in just a few moments. So let's listen to God for a few moments this evening. So Lord, tonight we have seen from Your Word that lives were spared and disaster was averted because a young woman was willing to listen to You and let You launch her into the life of another. And because a young man was willing to listen to her when she came. God, help us to see the importance of being good listeners. Of not just listening, Lord, with attention and interest, but when we need to, being willing to yield to consent. So Lord, whatever You're speaking to us about tonight, maybe this week, this month, this year, whatever seed, Lord, You're planting or sowing in our life, may we learn to be good listeners. Because Lord, we are learning that if we will listen to You, God, it opens up a whole new a whole new world in our relationship with You and in serving You. So God, may we listen to You the rest of this week and bring us back on Sunday, Lord, that once again we, we may come together and listen to You some more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.